Hello, my name is Dr. Glenn Wallace, and it's great to welcome you to the Success ID podcast, where we introduce you to leading thinkers, practitioners, and contrarians who share their views on what it takes to lead yourself and others successfully. On this week's podcast episode, Judith Germain, leadership mentor, author, and leading authority on a concept she calls maverick leaders, discusses the idea of forging your own path as success. Jude's work of nearly 15 years has been centred on willfully independent people, which is just a fantastic title, and how to maximise the benefits from such a mindset, how to lead and manage such individuals effectively, and how we can all develop some of that independent spirit in order to lead yourself and others successfully. We really hope you enjoy this episode of the Success ID podcast. So I'm truly delighted to introduce you to a good friend of mine, a leadership expert, author, and contrarian, brackets in a good way, <laughs> Jermaine. Jude, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the Success ID podcast. It's fantastic to have you on board. Thanks, Grace. So Jude, we start every podcast with uh, this particular question, or at least a version of it. The purpose of Success ID podcasts is to help people consider how they might lead themselves and lead others uh, successfully. So what case would you make for forging your own path as success? You know, why would people feel that this might be an an important part of, you know, living and leading others successfully? Okay, thanks for that. It's a good question. I think one of the biggest problems that leaders have today is that they don't really understand, like, who they are or how to act with integrity. Mm. Um, and they see like integrity just as a character trait whereas I think yes it is a character trait but it's also about how who you are as an integral as a person so the mm-hmm. whole individual in the how you are at home should be how you are at work mm-hmm. so I think if you're clear about your identity and who you are as an, invi- as an individual you can be more confident um, about what you bring to the party and build mm-hmm. a reputation on mm-hmm. who you are so I think to forge that success, you need to know who you are as an individual, what it is that you can bring, and how that you can then demonstrate that impact to other people. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So, um, the the thing that you've said there, there's several things there that I want to pick pick up on. But I talk to a lot of leaders in organisations in my role as exec coach, and they'll often say, you know, I feel like two different people. I'm I'm one yeah. person at home and one person at work, and so what you're suggesting is that there's something about the integrated nature of your identity and being as close to you, you know, whatever your real self is or your real identity is, both at home, at work, and in whatever context, right? That's right. I think the days have gone by where people expect you to be completely separate. Right. I think we're all a blended person. And I think the way that the world is now, it is too stressful, too too much change to really be something different and I think I think you said before about authenticity is one of those Mm. things that everybody says it and nobody really knows what it means but if I'm going to be a leader and I want you I want to influence you into following me yeah then you will only follow me if you trust me and you'll only trust me if you know who I am yeah you know and I find that a, a lot of leaders it's like for example I do a lot of maverick leadership um, yep. training and corporation and one of the questions I ask people is you know how do you lead at home and they just look at me like what are you talking about and I'm like well if you're a leader you're a leader at home aren't you as well as yeah. at work and yeah. they're like I never thought of it like that and that yeah. really as a man as a socialized maverick myself it really surprises me because I see lead, leaders are role models yeah um and so 
if I had a party with work colleagues and friends, they wouldn't, um, they would recognise who I, who I am yeah. if I was being described by either party. Yeah, that's a really nice way of thinking about it, actually, which is, you know, yeah, are people able to describe you similarly, irrespective of context? And if they are, then you're more likely to be coherent, integrated, uh, consistently, you being authentically yourself, whatever the right sort of phraseology is, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so, so one of the things you talked on talked about there, I, I absolutely recognise um, in the work that I do, which is people talk about being two different people, being two different types of people is exhausting. Mm. Um, and I love that connection that you've just made between, you know, the world itself, particularly the world of work, is stressful enough anyway. So, so adding an additional layer of, um, you know, uh, energy that's required um, is, uh, is, is, a, is a sort of path to, to problems, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's really cool. You, you mentioned a phrase there called socialised mavericks, and, and I know some of the work that you've done because we've talked about it before. For the audience, can you kind of give them a brief kind of uh, overview of this concept that you call mavericks? And I I love it as a concept. We had a fantastic couple of conversations last year about it, particularly on your own podcast, which I'll put the links in in the in the show notes. What? So if I'm listening to this and I don't understand the concept, can you can you give us a kind of couple of minutes just overview of what that is? Yes, yeah, so since um, 2005, I've been describing mavericks as willfully independent people. And in my own research, I've noticed that there is more than one type of maverick. So you have socialised mavericks and you have your extreme mavericks. They are similar in the sense that they share the same attributes and similar strategies, but a socialised maverick will work for the greater good and they'll take all the good stuff about being a maverick and push it outwards. And an extreme maverick will take all the stuff about being a maverick and put it inwards. So um, one of the biggest differences between the two is morality and intention. Right. Um, I think you might, might need a bit more on that, Jude, because that sounds pretty heavy, but interesting and important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so if you looked at um, someone like Donald Trump, <laughs> he, would be, he would be classed as an extreme maverick, uh, right. more concerned about how things look to him as an individual. So right. whereas mavericks, both groups of mavericks value loyalty. Right? Mm-hmm. Socialised right. maverick would be like, I'm loyal to you, you're loyal to me. Yeah. An extreme maverick is like you need to be loyal to me, yeah. and I will dump you if you're in the way. <laughs> you know, right. it's that, yeah. that's the kind of the difference. It's like um, all all mavericks are success driven. It's really right. important to be successful as a maverick. Yeah. But a socialized maverick will collaborate with you. They'll influence you. You know, but right. an extreme maverick will manipulate you. And they don't care if you get hurt on the way, whereas a socialized maverick will never knowingly hurt another person. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, this is why we got on so well when we chatted about it last time. It, it, it just, it just, I can just, it's such a clear exposition of this concept. And clearly you've done a lot of work on it over an extended period of time. But I, I bet there are people listening to this podcast now going, Oh, I've never thought of it like that. I've never <laughs> been called that. And like, how cool is that that she's actually kind of distinguished between two versions of that? It, it, it plays into 
I'm not a great fan, as you've already hinted, of the word authentic because I get I think it gets abused um, yeah. uh, in in organisations particularly. You know, if I'm authentically a psychopath, are you suggesting I'm authentic? You know, it's just ridiculous. You know, <laughs> and, and I think what you're suggesting is if authentically you 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 lean towards an extreme maverick. You know, your your, your independence is harmful, self-oriented, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, there's there's some work to do to retain the best of your maverickness, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but to use it for good. And, and, it, and, and that's, that's doable, is it? And, and if it is, how would you help an extreme maverick sort of transition to socialised maverick, if that's even doable? It's doable only if the extreme maverick has a compelling reason to change. Uh-huh. And that compelling reason has to be driven by them. It's right. not because you can't say you're hurting people. Yeah. So you need to be nice. They'll be like, I don't really care. I'm getting what I want. <laughs> yeah. If you say you want to be promoted and you're hurting people, so this is how you get promoted. And in that, in that coaching or mentoring or training, yeah. you are given clear pathways to the promotion, then they'll do it. So I remember working with one maverick and he said to me, gosh, you are sneaky. That's why he goes, because to me to do what I want, I have to change. And I'm like, yeah. And he went, damn. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. he did change because right. he wanted to be promoted, you know, yeah. and it's that kind of, and the flip side is like I was um, doing some leadership training with a group of millennials. So they were between, they were between 20 and, you know, 25 yeah. and 40. Yeah. And when they were going through it, they said, gosh, now I understand when I'm really, really angry, I go right extreme maverick. Right. And I didn't really realize that's what I was doing and why people why I wasn't getting to where I needed to be and it's like okay well this is the things that you need to do to get back to how yeah. you normally are you know oh. oh that's interesting so there's a bit I, I know for some of the other sort of pro and um, personality profiles they, they they have a phrase called in the grip behavior which is you know when you are under extreme pressure you you will often revert to the sort of 180 degree opposite version of where you are normally sort of thing so if you're you know let's say take an example introverted um if under extreme pressure you can become quite extroverted and vice versa um so you're there's a suggestion here that that pressure impacts how you how you manifest your independent your willful independence that's right i think you can tell how socialized a socialized maverick is by how quick they'll go to extreme so when I was when I was younger, you know, yeah. you upset me. I was extreme maverick within a heartbeat, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with all the consequences that flow from that. Um, right. Now it takes it's very, you know, I can still retain objectivity and emotion even when I'm annoyed. Right. So I can still, you know, there's, there's always going to be a time where you just go what, but it's. It, I found that over the years it takes a lot longer for me to lose that objectivity and let my emotions completely take over in a moment of madness Um, and I think Mm -hmm. that's probably because I see um, being a Mavericks it's a it's a continuum it's a journey and I know that I am much better at retaining the characteristic of socialized Maverick that it's become almost innate now whereas other people I know are still on the pathway because they might not go back to extreme in a heartbeat, but they'll get there probably, you know, a couple of hours. <laughs> I might need to take two, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, so, um, so when you reflect on your um, development from that sort of extreme maverick in a heartbeat to, to where you are now, more balanced, more, uh, uh, it feels like it's a more resilient model for you and more robust mm. in terms of it'll stand, it'll stand more pressure before it kind of cracks. 
What, what would you say were the, I don't know, two or three key things that helped you make that transition? It's a good question. I think that the most important one was learning how to influence rather than manipulate. Okay. I think um, mavericks are very observant. Mm-hmm. Um, they see weak spots really, really easily. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they're quite dominant um, or a domineering personality, generally speaking. Mm. And I think that if you want to achieve, I remember being, I don't know, 17 and my boss telling me, he was a maverick, by the way, socialized maverick. He said, right. I'll never promote you. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm the best you've got. And he goes, I know, but you upset people. And I said, yeah, but they get over it. I'm still quite popular. Right. And I genuinely, and he said, yeah, but I have to spend two days dealing with someone that's crying and it's not on. Right. And I was like, oh, it had never occurred to me right. that it was a problem. Right. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I was still popular and people liked me and I still, you know. Um, and I was like, oh, gosh. So, it, and I remember being 17 and thinking, well, how do I get what I want without upsetting people? Yeah. And then I went down the path of like, how do I influence people? And I actually literally went out and started to study influence and how that right. meant. And so for me, that was my first point is like manipulation works, but it only works in a short, you know, for a short yeah. period of time because eventually people revolt, don't they? Yeah. Um, so how do I influence was one of them. And also right. a lot of um, self-reflection mm-hmm. and really understanding emotional intelligence, social intelligence and yeah instinct so i became very observant of things like body language and stuff like that and saying oh when i said this that person you know took a step back <laughs> that yeah. probably was a bit too blunt you know? <laughs> <laughs> the fact they're now whimpering in the corner <laughs> yeah and the thing is, it's really difficult because it's about um i find working with mavericks quite often it's a bit of a self-awareness right. because as a maverick i'm Mavericks are concerned about the message, not how it's delivered. Right. But I've noticed conformists are the other way around. They care about how it's delivered, not the message. Yeah. So if somebody said to me when I was much younger, you know, am I good at my job? When I said no, it would be an honest interpret. I didn't realise that that would be offensive because if someone said that to me, I'd be like, okay, what well, do I need to improve? It wouldn't affect me yeah. right. emotionally. Yes. And I think that's part of it. It's like kind of going, oh, I can't deal with people the way I would like to be dealt with because they don't want that truth and honesty it's a bit too harsh (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's interesting i wonder what that talk that how that speaks to things like um resilience and uh and that kind of i suppose there's a bit of ego in there potentially but there's for for um mavericks and those that are sort of forging their own path there's there's I'm wondering if there's some of the downsides potentially of that independent streak, right? Is, is that either you don't seek it or you have a framework of the world that you are quite comfortable with and almost you don't need feedback because, you know, perhaps you're holding yourself to your own high standard. You talked about them, you know, wanting to succeed, you know, they're success driven. So I wonder if they, you know, do they typically hold themselves to a very high standard and therefore perhaps one of the downsides of that independent nature is you don't seek feedback quite as often as you might and that would actually be helpful and help you develop to be more successful yeah and I, I think I think there's a lot of truth in that and I think it also depends again on the type of maverick so right. an extreme maverick is all about themselves and they're more domineering so they're likely to make mistakes because they don't consult other people right and they yeah. believe they're always right yeah and they tend to miss the red flags that you're going the wrong way 
Um, So they can become um, mistrusted uh, and they could get reputation for being reckless. Um, Mm. And I think socialised mavericks, it's that learning how to elicit the feedback that's going to be useful. Yeah. Because they would listen to it, um, but they may dismiss it, but they will listen to it. But it's sometimes if they're still in that kind of socialising stage, they may request the information in a way that puts people off giving it. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I guess also if their past behaviours are potential indicators of future behaviour, then people might be wary about giving it anyway. So does that, Mm. you know, you're setting a path or a framework perhaps to inhibit people giving you honest feedback anyway if you've tended to be a bit acerbic or aggressive or a bit too overly blunt or whatever mm. it's really interesting isn't it because you know the 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 power that so so okay so let's let's put ourselves in the position of being a, a leader of a team yeah right? and, that, and i was i was really pleased that you described leading you know it kind of irrespective of the wrapper or the context right because because at success id we talk about doesn't matter whether you are only leading yourself. In fact, we would strongly urge you to start by leading yourself. But mm. you could be leading part of your community. You could be leading a church. You could be leading a family. You could be leading a team in an organisation. You could be leading an entire organisation. You know, whatever. It's it's that willingness to help others. You know, drive performance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Let's suggest for a minute you're the leader of a team in an organisation. Um, why would you want mavericks on your team or a maverick? on your team for, that's my first question and then we'll go into things like how would you manage them successfully you know and how would you perhaps manage somebody who's showing signs of extreme maverickness um so, <laughs> so why would you want one let, let, let's kind of establish the you know why would you want somebody that's strong-minded got a clear sense of independence that willful independence that you talk about which is a lovely phrase why do you want those people on your team what's the upside the upside is that they'll stop you from screwing up okay okay um because mavericks tend to be like canaries so they are months out sometimes even years out as to where something's going so they can clearly see the the opportunities the threats you know the whole swat note they can clearly see that um the problem can be in how to take that knowledge back so people can actually hear it Mm -hmm. um also they love change Right. So you know, if, you want, if you're going to change something, as long as you can convince a maverick there's a good reason to change, yeah. so it's not just for sake of it, they'll be the ones to go, right, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, they're mm-hmm. very good at that. Um, very no- novel and curious. Mm-hmm. And they will, a socialised maverick will have excellent networks. They will be networked in and outside the organisation. So if you want something done quickly, they'll say, oh, so-and-so in finance can do that for you. Or they all have an, um, a contact somewhere yeah. where you would never imagine that to be, who will just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can come and help you do that. You know, they're very good influencers. And I would say one of the things that I do a lot now is not just about having a maverick personality, but also getting your team to think like mavericks right. whilst they're at work, yeah. which I call maverick behaviourists. Because if you can imagine millennials or what Mm. used to be called gen y early millennials people one of the things that people were stressed out about them in the early days was that they were acting a lot like mavericks but didn't have the skill set right but there was a small number of those in the workplace so everybody ignored them right 
But like, look at them now. Like within, you know, within a year, they're going to be fifty percent of the workforce is going to be millennials. Right? They're all acting in a maverick way, but they don't have this have the skill set to deliver. But they, so they want the things that everybody should have anyway. They want managers they can trust. They want to make impact. They want to make a decision. They want to do all these things, and the corporations aren't set up for that. So they don't know what to do with them. They're like, oh my gosh, but they can't ignore them now because <laughs> like, then you know, they're in positions of leadership. You know, there's just too many of them. And I think if you can harness that energy correctly, then you really will become more profitable, more efficient and more successful as an organisation mm. um, because these individuals aren't like Gen X. They, they won't put up with, they won't put up with rubbish. Do you know what right. I mean? You need yeah. to properly mm-hmm. lead them and you need to be someone that can be trusted and you need to be respectful and you can't expect this millennial to do what's do their dues, you know, do yeah. this for three, four years. Then we might train you. It's like train me today yes. or I'm going, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. big difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And so that, that, that oh, well, okay. I've got about 150 questions now. So, um, sorry, no, no, really. Cause this is, this is perfect. What, what is, um, so, on a typical team of ten, not there's no typical team of ten. In a team of ten, what would your experience tell you? Um, the, the average number of of socialised mavericks might be in a in a organisational group of ten. You might, you may or might may not have a maverick in a group okay. of ten because it's okay. quite a small it's number. Okay. Um, but you would get the majority of people in that ten yeah. would be conformists. Right. And then you would have a smaller number of maverick behaviourists. And they're people who will act like a maverick in their area of interest, which is often work. But the thing with them, they're quite interesting because they're quite fragile. So if they're with people that will um, highlight and value maverick Mm behaviour, it's like you've got your maverick. So you could have easily four of those, which would be brilliant. But if you really push hard on the rules and you don't listen to them, they will become the most conformist conformist you can ever have, but they will be completely disengaged. Right. That's um, Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah, these yeah. individuals, unlike socialised mavericks, collaborate by default. Maverick behaviourists will cooperate by default, um, but they can be convinced to collaborate. And what you'll have is, say, out of that 10, you could easily have four individuals mm. who are highly influential, reasonably yeah. networked, um, quite a few of them could be um, subject matter experts and yeah. they're, they're annoyed, they're looking at leaving and they're act, and depending on where they fit, they could be actively looking to stop you from achieving. And right. that's not a, uh, I mean, I think the latest stat is something like worldwide, there's yeah. 87% of disengaged employees, 87%. Yeah. Scary, isn't it? <laughs> it's just scary. How scary is that? Yeah. And so, so that, that's a really good lesson for leaders, which is, you know, if you're seeing some of that behaviour that you call sort of um, maverick behaviourists, so all of the upsides of um, maverick behaviour, well, many of the upsides of socialised mm. maverick behaviour, then actually embracing that, giving people their space to to work in that way, uh, encouraging them and, and supporting them would be the best way of retaining that. The mm. danger is if you don't and you shut them down and you get overly processy uh, and overly controlling that they're they're likely to be the most disengaged or them you know a sort of it feels like you the way what you're describing the, the phrase that um, went off in my head um, was uh, sort of that um, 
you know, they get, they'll get sort of narked about it all and they'll, and they'll get kind of frustrated by it all. And then they kind of throw the bait, they just throw their hands up and go, well, if you're not going to do it my way, I'm not going to do it at all kind of thing. And, and that's where the disengagement would come because they don't mm. feel listened to. Would that, would that be kind of right? Yeah. And I think that they would be, you're in a much worse position because I think a conformist yeah. will just follow the rules and do yeah. what you say. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, disengaged behaviourist is like, I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> They're apathetic. <laughs> the phrase I was struggling for, Jude, was, was um, sort of passive-aggressive. So they kind of be passively-aggressively disengaged, if that makes sense. Uh, okay. Yes, I think so. But you wouldn't necessarily see it in their behaviour because one thing, um, Mavericks are very good at hiding behind a mask right. if needed. Okay. okay. Yeah, very cool. What would I do with the other six, though? To, on the assumption that you know they want to improve, and uh, so we're making some assumptions here. But with the other six, what, what's the best way for me to get the the most positive of the maverick in you know willfully independent behaviours out of the remaining group? So we've spoken about you know uh, supporting and continuing to develop those that are showing those those traits, those positive traits. What about those that aren't there yet? How can I encourage them along that kind of continuum? Another really good question. I would say um, it's about, given, again, giving them a compelling reason to change. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and that can be done through peer pressure, mm-hmm. um, through the culture, mm. and also building resilience around things um i think sometimes like socialized maverick leaders are quite good because they can be quite direct right. so um in the sense but lovingly direct so in the sense of you know you've got a toolbox you need more tools in the toolbox mm. um if you don't have more tools in the toolbox eventually you will be surplus to requirements uh, you know and it's yeah. not like but not this this is like the kind of like the blunt version but it's more like not today or tomorrow but the way that the world is going you need multifaceted multi-skilled individuals that are always changing regardless of what age they are because age isn't really a thing but if you're gonna sit there and just always do the same thing and never learn and never develop and never bring up ideas eventually you'll be gone Mm. because no organization can sustain that anymore yeah 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 okay that's that's uh it, does it so look, so when when I first moved from being employed um, as uh, I was a teacher when I first left university ten years as a teacher and decided to go out on my own and and actually I, I think um, sort of display a willful independence as you as you would describe it and set up my own business this was back in the year two thousand i can 't tell you the number of people that said to me wow that 's a really brave thing to do or <laughs> courageous thing to do." And I genuinely, I'm not just being flippant here, I, I, it genuinely didn't strike me as either of those things. It was just, I've got a plan, I know kind of what I'd like to achieve. Um, I've really enjoyed my time at school, but I now want a different challenge. Um, can you talk a little bit about courage and bravery in relation to forging your own path and being different from, from others purposefully. I mean, we're all, we're all different you know, naturally, but what about being purposely different and the courage and bravery that it might take to do that? Okay, because I think, um, personally, I think that if you are ever to lead, yeah. you will have to be courageous. Right. You know, courage comes with leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whether that's courage of your own convictions or your own abilities, 
and even the the need to show the right type of vulnerability is is important and i think that um thing with because you're a map you're a socialized maverick without a doubt and the thing with mavericks is that they're very self-aware um and they spend time knowing themselves and what they're good at so it's easy to be courageous when you know that you'll be okay so most mavericks that i know will do something that people think are wild Mm. um and they'll do it because they know whatever happens Mm. i'm going to be okay you know it's that self-knowledge like yeah no matter what whatever happens i can handle whatever happens so with so mavericks don't think they're being courageous because it's just well i need to get over there Mm. so i'll just go over there (laughs) it doesn't take courage to from a marriage perspective it doesn't take courage to do that because you just need to do it they're very pragmatic about i need to just move over here now (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm I'm laughing because the language that you've used was almost exactly the voice recorder that was going off in my head as you were saying it's it's really not And, and again i'm not being flippant or arrogant about it it was just that wasn't the way that i tended to think about it it was I, I'll be okay. It'll be okay. You know, and, I, and again, I'm not suggesting that horrible things don't happen to lovely people. It's just, uh, I, it, and I wasn't being flip. I, again, I don't think I was being blind to the risks. It was just, I've got a thing. I want to, I kind of want to give it my best shot and see if we can make it happen. Yeah. I think it's the confidence of knowing that, that you have the ability to deal with the consequences. So right. I think, yeah. I think people think like Mavericks or true leaders don't really plan and but they do plan but it's a different way it's like so when you i'm assuming when you decided that you were going to leave and start your own business you thought mm. about the consequences what would happen if i didn't get any clients between this point mm. what what would happen if i have to go back to teaching what would happen and then you went i'm okay with all of that yeah let's go yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so you knew you'd be okay because you'd thought about it and yeah. i think sometimes other people like conformists will take a leap and they will see it as real courage because they have no plan. It doesn't have to be detailed, but they have no idea what would happen if the parachute didn't open. Yeah. Whereas I think a maverick would go, I'll jump out the plane. If it doesn't open, I might break my leg. But that's okay because I've got another one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's the, the difference in the mindset. Right. I, 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 it reminds me of um, something that uh, one of our previous guests, um, Olympian and Paralympian uh, track coach, Keith Antoine talked about which which was when I asked him about you know what was the biggest takeaway in relation to preparing for success actually he he came as is very often the case with Keith he went a bit left field and he just went at some point you can do all the preparation you like but you need to ultimately get to a point where you trust yourself Mm. and once you've reached the point where you have sufficient trust in yourself you'll take the step that's needed to be take, taken to start you on, you know, the process or the path to wherever it is you're, you're heading. So he was really talking about the danger of over-preparing, I think, and, and mm-hmm. meeting that point where you... And I think what you're talking about here is, you know, for people to forge their own path, you know, it's, it's right to do the due diligence around it. But, but I wonder whether people who do that well um, don't necessarily do that bit of it any differently other than when they've got to the point where they've got enough data they'll perhaps make that decision to trust themselves more quickly than, than those that don't have that level of self-confidence, perhaps. Yeah, and I think the difference is that the Maverick won't 
when we say plan, we don't really mean like a lot of it. So, for yeah. example, yeah. like I, I remember the very first time I did a public speaking event, there was like, I don't know, a thousand people and I went with somebody else. And my bit was going to, I was not the keynote. They were the keynote. So yeah. I was only on to be on there for like, I think it was 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And I kind of went to back them up. Anyway, mm. so we were doing the thing. And then at the end, at the end of her session, she said, oh, I finished an hour and a half early. Can you just like take over? And I was like, oh, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done a public speech before. But right. I knew like I was a good trainer and yeah. I knew I knew my stuff. Yeah. So within the time it took to swap mics and walk onto the, you know, and nobody knew that I had, because it didn't feel padded or anything. It yeah. was just, because I knew, I didn't panic because I knew I'd be all right. And I think that's, that's what it is you know the planning of a maverick might only be five minutes or it yeah. might only be the distance between the door and the stage yeah but yeah. but because you you're naturally always thinking what could the consequence for this be what donnie's did you always have half created plans all the time anyway so you're just picking one up yeah. this is a plan of the computer's not working on this presentation <laughs> that's okay because i'll just talk about this instead yes you know? yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think it gives you some um, that ability to be pretty agile as well, right? And, yeah. and I think there's something about again, if you can kind of trust that ultimately it'll be okay. It speaks to another um, concept, which is kind of self-efficacy. That um, that belief that, again, not an arrogant belief, but a, a deep-seated belief that your efforts will produce a positive result. You know, and and I think there's there's some real strength in self-efficacy, which talks about trust. In effect, it's the same kind of similar concept as trusting yourself. It's similar to the, the way that you're, you're suggesting that mavericks and those that are forging their own path will, will tend to think about themselves. And, and I guess that comes from, you know, where does that come from? Is, is it a learnt thing? Is it, a, is it a, a, an innate thing? I, I would, I'm, not, I'm asking the question actually, but I'm guessing that a lot of that might be in your upbringing and what you've learned through experience. Yes, I think when I was um, writing my book, I was looking at the whole kind of nature nurture thing, yeah. and you know, I wanted—I guess I wanted to sense check my own opinion <laughs> before I wrote it down. Yes, um, and I thought about it, and, and all the what I would class leadership traits tended to be indicated by um, genes, but what was interesting was it was the nurture that switched them on or off. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that epigenetic thing is is true. And I think that you might have a proclivity to do something, but how your how your environment is will make a difference. And I think for me, when I was looking at Mavericks and considering it, I realised that what makes the Mavericks quite different is that they've had early leadership responsibility. Right. So whether that means you're the oldest child looking after two other kids, your parents have all gone to work and you're in charge yeah. or whether you're you know you're leading some other activity all the people I know who have really done Maver I would class as mavericks have done something at an early age right. and what they've learned is a lot of emotional resilience yeah so, um so like in my book I talk about the work from Diane Kutu and she looks at emotional resilience and says that there's three main parts of it one is facing down reality. So you're honest about where you're, where you're at. Mm. <laughs> what is, yeah. what, you know, yeah. there's no of that rose-coloured <laughs> glasses. Yeah. And then there's also a search for meaning. So it's like, why? Why why do this? Why, why do we need this? What's the point of this? What's the purpose of this? Yeah. And then it's like being kind of 
ritualized in how in in um in duty that you have in the sense that uh, a maverick will look at what's around and go i'll take this and use it for this different purpose it wasn't intended to right yeah <laughs> yeah because that will make it but so you don't look at something and go a pen can only be a pen yeah. you know i might use four of those and hold up my book with it you know yeah. it's that kind of yeah. thought about it yeah and that's and you so you can see why having people who've got that kind of mindset um and that and the skill set that goes with it but the you know the mindset and just that that willingness to have a go and the belief that that largely it will be okay even if the result isn't what they want you know the actual outcome is still manageable how liberating that is for people both as a leader because you you might be in your first leadership job and go well you know other people have done it so it's 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 doable right so i'll give it (laughs) and i and i don't I, I, well, you know, it's just like... I'm laughing because that's, that's exactly what you think. <laughs> what yeah, like, how hard can it be? And I, but I, but I, don't, I wouldn't say that, that in my experience of understanding your work and, and also working with people who I recognise hold some of these traits, um, I think on the surface sometimes when they do it a bit clumsily, it can come across as arrogant. Um, and and I, th- I think perhaps there's a misread there and perhaps that this is mm. something for Mavericks to consider is... You know, how do you manage the external to some extent? And I'm not suggesting you play it down or you overly do that, because, again, this is about being real and true. But sometimes I think that you kind of blow people away by your certainty. Yeah. And some people can misread that as as an arrogance. arrogance. Yeah, or or they can get intimidated by it. Yeah, both, Um, I think. I, I spent many of my early corporate years not understanding why I was being misunderstood. Right. You know, and yeah. and I realised that it was the language. So I, you know, I used to say things like, I do occasionally, that's really irrelevant. And I mean it in a literal sense, that's irrelevant. Mm. But people heard it as, you are saying I am irrelevant. Right, yeah. So I learned to say, that's not relevant in this yeah. case here. And people would accept that because yeah. they didn't see it as part of them. Yeah. Um, and also, Mavericks have a pathological issue with being seen as stupid i mean it's pathological i will not be classed as stupid because i am not stupid so they will do everything to ensure that they know what they're talking about so if a maverick's unsure they'll say something like well in my opinion i think but if they say it is this it's because they know absolutely know this is the thing yeah um because they've done the research or whatever and i think a lot of people, when they say, I know, they haven't done the, the depth of the, of the research behind it. So it's a, it is an opinion. Yeah. So when they hear a maverick say, I know it's this, this is what it is, yeah. they say, that's your opinion. It's like, no, 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 I have done 20 hours worth of research. This <laughs> is right. And mavericks don't tend to, they don't disclose how they think to people because it's seen, it, it, for them, it's too intimate. Too right. intimate. It's, if you know how I think, that's really intimate to me. So I'm not sharing that. Right. So therefore, you have this big. People don't know that you know because yeah. you, you spent all night researching it, yeah. and you're not going to tell them because it's not relevant to them. Yes. <laughs> so they just think you're arrogant, you know. So you know. So I've, I, I know, like for myself, I've learned over the years to say, "Oh, you might want to try this, or this could be good," and be a lot, a bit less certain yeah. in my language. Yeah. And there's some other mavericks, and it's like, right, we just need to do this, and they're like, yeah. "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's there's some real skill in that, and that, that that's regardless, I think, of whether you're a maverick or 
or not, or, you know, or anywhere mm. in between. That that you know, the skill of self awareness coupled with other aware, you know, others awareness, as I call it, you know, is a real art. And 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 I think there's, I, I certainly think with with organisations and individuals within organisations I've worked with, the, the greater tendency is for people not to say things directly enough. Yeah. Um, and and therefore, somebody who's got certainty and confidence, um, and who is pretty direct, actually, I, I think when you actually hear them speak, sometimes they're not really that direct or bullish. It's just yeah. that they're, they're more straight talking than this rather sort of um, false harm- harmony that we're trying to strike as a balance in organisations, which I don't think is very helpful either. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of artificial, I think it's called, somebody called it artificial harmony. I can't remember that the, 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 um, that should be credited to, but artificial harmony is, is more in some respects more dangerous but certainly you know i would say equally dangerous to being overly direct and and overly straight talking yeah and of course the maverick won't put up with that so yeah. <laughs> um if they tend to call, would they tend to call it out so if they if they yeah. see it would they would they tend to sort of go you know look we're just flapping around the edges here a bit yeah or you know i must admit i have been known to say yeah, it looks like everyone's agreeing, but not from your body language. So what's the truth? <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, but that has you know that's set with knowing the individuals and blah 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 blah. You wouldn't necessarily do it all the time, but what what they do is they observe. So they'll be watching an, a conversation and absorb. They're observing what's said, how it's said, what the what the body language is saying, not um, consciously, just on yeah. a subconscious level, right. and the problem for the organization is if it's something like if it's a leader that's doing that yeah then the maverick will disrespect them right. so if a, if a leader's sitting there and he's saying yeah everything's fine within the company yeah definitely <laughs> there's going to be no more redundancy mm. and everything you're screaming out it's a lie yeah depending on the type of the maverick they'll have called it out in front of everybody yeah. or they'll just like i don't trust you and you'll never get them to do anything right yeah 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 interesting oh there's just so much i'm not not surprised you've got so much work on and you're doing so much of this work because a it's a really interesting topic but there is no doubt that the dynamics that positive mavericks and positive you know people who are willfully independent it's a lovely phrase willfully independent bring to a team fantastic when those people don't know how to manage that independent streak I can absolutely see why the dynamic in a team gets thrown. Leaders not able to kind of cope with that because they don't recognise it as what it is. They recognise just perhaps the, the, the outward manifestation of it. I, I think it's a really, really cool topic. And, and look, I, I, we ask this of everybody um, uh, as the kind of final question. You've given us so much to think about in relation to forging your own path, being willfully independent, you know, whether you give yourself the, the, the label of maverick or not. You've given us so much to think about, which is awesome. What what one piece of advice would you want somebody who's looking to lead themselves or others successful and others successfully? What would you want them to take away from what you've what you've shared with us today? Then that's not to undermine everything else. It's not to, to limit that. It's just what one nugget would you want people to take away and consider whether they've introduced enough of it in their lives or whether they could introduce a bit more or whether they need to manage it differently whatever what, what would be your one your one takeaway i think it would be to understand um maverick leadership which is who you are so you bring who you are as a leader and to what you do so it's not um you don't go to work and and you forget who you are mm. i think it's that it, you've got to have full integrity so that's in character and wholeness of the individual 
Yeah, that's absolutely cool. That, that's that, that's a super, super idea to take away. And I think, you know, if if our experiences with working with leaders is, is anything to go by, there are lots of people for whom that's not sufficient. Those those two examples are not close enough. And then no wonder they're exhausted. And, uh, and <laughs> couple that with the context within which they're leading. That's a super bit of advice. Jude, it's been an absolute pleasure to reconnect um, and to hear all of your super insights. That's, and I'm... I'm genuinely blown away by how long you've been studying it and the nuance and the level that you get it out. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's a really cool topic. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great. Thanks a lot, Clarence. It's been a lot of fun. Super. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Success ID podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to and learning more about how you can lead yourself and others successfully. My challenge to you is to take the ideas and wonderful content that Jude's presented here and find a way of putting some of it to work for you and for those that you lead today. Show notes are available on www.successid.co.uk and to make sure you don't miss another episode, please subscribe to the Success ID podcast on iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher. We look forward to welcoming you to the next episode.